1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, visit us at patreon.com and for as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron or you can buy cool Lorehammer products like shirts, coffee mugs, and dice bags at
2: www.redbubble.com. Don't want to spend any money? Well, you can help out the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You can also hop on over to Facebook and like our page, and feel free to send us a message. It's the only enjoyment Mark gets out of his miserable life. Hello and welcome back to Lorehammer. My name is Eric. Hello, James is a filthy cheater and I'm Mark. (laughs) I thought we weren't going to do that. (laughs) All right, and then uh, joining us today for this very special edition of Lorehammer Lockdown uh, is a friend all the way from across... Whoa, 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 whoa. Lover. Sorry, is a uh, friend of the road. (laughs) lovers of ladies of the evening (laughs) a friend
2: friend with benefits
1: (laughs) uh matt all the
2: way from uk hello how you doing guys good good absolutely on again yeah fantastic how are you doing brother oh very good it's a pleasure to be back there's uh, nothing that brightens up this quarantine more than hearing your voices
3: (laughs) and now everyone can hear yours
2: oh yeah unfortunately that's the ass sacrifice they have to make <laughs> we
1: will set up uh another email titled i fell in love with matt's voice at gmail.com <laughs> for everyone wondering i did make a james complaint did you really i did yeah oh
3: yeah so james complaint at com, and then what's the other one the, i
1: love the, matt's voice at gmail. i fell in love with matt's voice <laughs>
2: Yeah. I uh, I go onto the Instagram with Mark uh, sometimes, and it's the amount of people on there who appear to just want to have sex with beards. That's what really <laughs> gets me.
1: That's why I have left the uh, like. I I don't I don't have a very big presence anymore. I was just getting too much <sighs> threats <laughs> <laughs> upon my sure. my purity, you know. <laughs>
2: I mean, you've got a gnarly beast there, but the amount of, oh yeah, i tapped that beard that I was getting on there. It was just, <laughs> I, I felt like a piece of meat with hair. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, sexy man.
2: Mm. Welcome to Beardcast. So
1: good. <laughs> and,
3: and tasty. And tasty.
1: Mm, delicious. <laughs> uh, well, today's episode of uh, Lorehammer Lockdown. Uh, It's a very specific reason that we got Matt on. Oh, yes. Um, And I guess I'll let Mark share uh, his little brain baby child. All right. So me and Matt are going to be um,
3: hosting a pen and paper RPG on Discord. Um, So what that means is people will get to buy a spot and then play games with me and Matt. The the pricing is gonna be fairly cheap. Like we're gonna make it reasonable, but at the same time, we still need to be paid for the countless hours of work it's gonna take, you know? Um but yeah, like the system we're gonna be doing is going to be the Wrath and Glory campaign, or not campaign rule book. So it's gonna be pretty cool. Matt right now is using Roll 20
1: and like adding in a bunch of stuff and like making it all pretty and putting maps and all that kind of Ooh. stuff. If I know anything about you guys, it's probably going to be lots of mods. <laughs> you Out. mod stuff over there, Matt?
2: It's, it's just Rain and Nicholas cages. That's all I've put on <laughs> so far.
1: So,
3: so that's kind of the general idea. Like, we're still in the creation process of it, but we hopefully will do, you know, maybe two or three different gaming groups a week. Um, but this is all valid to change. Um, but yeah, we'll plan three different time zones or whatever, so we'll be able to do three different groups and we'll run them through campaigns. Um, it should be pretty
1: cool. Yeah, trying to hit as many different availabilities of people's schedule as yeah. possible.
3: The, the one thing is, there's only going to be five spots available, so it's going to be six players and Matt is going to be the GM. Well, and I will you're be,
1: one of the players. I will be one yeah. of the
3: players. So there's only five spots available.
1: Yeah. Also, this isn't available yet, so don't message us right after this asking, hey, how do I do it? Like We will have posts or even yeah. more information in our upcoming podcast. The,
3: the best way always to stay informed is join our Discord because more and more I find I'm using it. Um, it's good to do stuff on uh, Facebook and, in, and Instagram and stuff, but you get way more if you're actually on the Discord. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of why we're going to be doing this episode, because we're actually going to talk about uh, role-playing in a 40k setting specifically. Uh, last week we had Peter on and we talked about just role-playing in general, but role-playing 40k is a completely different monster, and I think people f- uh, treat it as if it's the same as any other setting, when it really is not. And you can't get away with a lot of the same things.
1: Yeah, it's the difference between role playing in a world that you created and where anything you say goes, as opposed to one that has a history and a predetermined setting and rules that are very much established. Yeah, Um, and you're still you're trying to create this narrative within these rules, and I think that's the big tough thing about whether you're role-playing in 40k or star wars or lord of the rings right there's yeah it's even weird the language that you use right so yeah. that's the beast we're talking about today specific 40k role play yeah right matt yeah just yeah. is he still uh, here
2: like, I, i'm still here i've broken up no um yeah it's <laughs> It's like you guys say, Warhammer is um, is such a broad scope. And if you're inviting people into play, they're pro- most likely Warhammer fans. And we all know how loose Warhammer fans <laughs> get about, about their <laughs> lore. Have I, ever,
3: have I ever told you about the uh, listener lore uh, involving Portorabo and Fulgrim's tight little anus? Oh, my God. Oh is my that God. a listener no.
1: lore? No, that was a
2: fanfic. Like, it's Send it over,
1: it's Send it over. <laughs> <laughs> regardless I,
2: I i i did say i was going to write one for mark where it was like uh you see the elder across the hill whoa they shout as they load their pl- pulse rifles and just oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. see how close i could get to breaking mark
3: you just did in those <laughs> that one that's sentence. all it took man <laughs> I'm fresh off a Primaris episode, so I'm very,
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> downed up. I'm so, bat- so battered and bruised.
3: <laughs> what more can they want from me? <laughs> so for those who don't know what an RPG is, what we're talking about, um, RPGs are role-playing games where you have a group of players and one GM. So, you know, you come up with your character. Oh, I'm Jimmy from Hipton. You know, and then you role play as that guy. Yeah. Um, And you go on adventures and you're working together as a group to uh, try to accomplish some overarching story arc.
1: Yeah, but the the thing is, the entire story um it's not limited to the confines in the same way that a board game yeah. or a video game would be, where uh, deciding like, hey, I want to see what's in the basement of this house, or I want to see what happens if I break this window, or or anything is a very real possibility in these yeah. games, and that's the the big thing about these games is uh it actually is a very good outlet for imagination, and it. It's so different in that regard, um, many video games are linear in what you can and cannot do and but with this, like it all it it comes down to your g m in which this case it will be Matt who is responsible for creating an experience for all
2: the players, yeah, yeah, and not really um. It really comes to the GM to kind of take responsibility on how can I make this world feel realistic to the people who play in it is Like you guys were saying, sometimes we're doing a uh, pen and paper game, sometimes it's Roll20, sometimes it's just fear of the mind where you're having to um, imagine all of these wonderful things coming at you. And <laughs> the, the mark of a good GM is kind of making sure at least everyone has the right feeling of. Kind of where things are and what they're doing.
3: Yeah. That that's one thing we talked about in the last episode a lot that we did was that the GM is like they're all playing the game together. It's not the GM versus the people.
1: And it's not the people versus each other. No.
3: It can yeah. be if you're doing that kind of sure. campaign. But. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I I would I would hesitantly introduce new players to that style of play. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's
2: I think there's a time and a place and it all comes down to when the story fits. It. I I think character death and even players killing other characters is fine, but it's better if you're like, okay, my character is going to betray this guy in, you know, a couple of episodes and at least give your GM a chance to work that into the story. But um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's working with with people to make your story better. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've
3: said it many times. I personally don't think 40k is a good setting to role play in. But I think it's mostly just the way I see it done that I don't like. There's a lot of pitfalls. Um, but if you avoid some of these pitfalls, it can be very enjoyable. It's nice that everything is fleshed out. Like to me, a big pitfall is everyone role plays as a space marine. And while that can be fun. It ultimately is pretty boring because you can't really do anything with your
1: character. Yeah. I feel like for me, every time we've done it, we've done we do Space Marines once. Yeah. And then we need a break. Oh yes. Right. And then we want to try something with um a more colorful history or or more interesting conflicts between characters as opposed to you're my brother, you've been my brother for countless campaigns. Yeah. You will continue to be my brother. Yeah. We are brothers.
3: What is your opinion? Oh, my opinion
1: is is the same as yours, brother,
2: because we are from the same chapter, brother. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's it. You are kind of playing the zombie, following the rest of the zombies, doing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got awesome weaponry, but really your choices aren't your own.
3: Yeah. Uh, Another example of this would be like playing in an Imperial Guard regiment, where it's like this highly structured thing, and there's not really a lot of room for
1: freedom or creativity in role playing. Um, Unless you break that structure, it, yeah, your entire true. regiment dies, yeah, and it, it's you three left alive. Like, yeah. you, you have to. Sometimes you have to break the structure around in order to have the freedom to play in a pen and paper. Yeah, because there is a, a an amount of freedom that is
2: necessary in order to allow you to make decisions. Yeah. So, well, I sorry, I was just going to say, Mark. I think even that it comes back to okay. So you've got these three guardsmen, but. What are they going to do now? Right? Because mm-hmm. you still are they going to go of,
3: on a grand adventure, or are they just yeah. going to find the next guard regiment and join them?
2: Find it way back and then get back into the same old system. I think there's a very <laughs> delicate line of yeah, because you play that we're in a regiment and you would all have the same mindset again of let's just get back to the regiment, you know?
3: Yeah. So I know I'm listing a lot of cons. We will get to pros pretty quick because it can be very enjoyable. Yeah, these are things to
2: watch out for. Yeah,
3: like another really big one is allowing a player to be an Inquisitor.
2: Oh, God. Because
3: you just gave him unlimited power. Yeah. And yeah, there's just nowhere to really go with it.
2: Yeah, you need that balance. You can't have one character who's like the top dog. Because it makes yeah. the story all about them and it makes the rest of your players just supporting supporting yeah. actors in their film, you know? Um,
1: Absolutely. You- I think it's very common for one person to kind of lead a group, yeah. but it should happen naturally or... Or with the permission of every everyone else in person and in the game. Yeah, yeah, right. So I think giving someone—I I don't even like putting inquisitors in stories. Yeah, it's too yep. shoehorny. It's yeah. like, hey, um, uh, you know, if I'm the GM and there's a squad of space marines in front of me, I'm like, go attack that planet and bring me back this relic. And what if one <laughs> of them was like, no, we don't want to do that? As an inquisitor, like, is it my job to just be like, okay, you're dead? Yeah. Like, how dare you disobey me? I'm a member of the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just, there are aspects, there, there's ways to encourage your group to do things without shoehorning. And I think Inquisitors, while tempting in the 40K setting to bring into, are not necessary. And I would even say, if your Inquisitor is a recurring character, it probably detracts from something else in the story. Yeah. Yeah. And there, the, the next thing I have, <laughs> I, I got two
3: more complaints. Uh, the These aren't one,
1: complaints. <laughs> These are warnings. These are grievances. No, they're
3: warnings for people. <laughs> yeah. The, the next one is so 40k is very dogmatic. Like every religion is very set in their ways. Like if you're uh uh an imperial citizen, if you don't say, Oh, blessed be the emperor, that can
1: that can be troublesome sometimes. I I might have a little bit of a thing for that. Sure. Because the imperial cult and the imperial truth isn't translated the same way on every planet. This is true. And yeah. so that's why cults uh, like the cults of the four armed emperor are very much a real thing is that people uh, believe they're following the imperial dogma and the imperial religion when in sure. fact they've been their words have been the message has been twisted, yeah, right, and yeah. that's a very crazy example. But I do think there are many examples where the imperial truth and cult might not. It doesn't have to be the same brand from planet to planet. Yes,
3: but ultimately, it all still has to if be you, like if, if they you, are within
1: the imperial fold, yeah. they need to recognize some being, normally the emperor, as the leader of their entire race. Yeah,
2: and I agree with that. Yeah, so well, I think yeah. when when you're getting into the system of Oh, every single planet has been so indoctrinated indoctrinated from just the get-go for generations and generations and generations going back. As far as anyone can remember, you get such weird kind of these cultish beliefs that have just spread. Even if you think about our world, the amount of different beliefs and ecosystems just on the one planet we have.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
2: This kind of weird branch out throughout humanity where some animals have been introduced, whereas some plants have been introduced. I, your beastie, um, your bestiary episode. I was about to say something that you shouldn't search on the internet, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, that uh, that just shows you like the depth that you can actually get into with these, and you don't have to fall into these kind of traps. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's like you said people are so set into the um the lore which is always kind of this grim dark setting you think I I wouldn't want to live here so why would you set this up as a place to uh interact with people but <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's such a varied universe.
3: Yeah. And and my final grievance which is also one of 40k's greatest strength. Um so 40k is such a big galaxy and people and this goes for like everyone. Everyone wants their life to mean something. Everyone wants to have value, have purpose, right? Um, not me. Not Eric, apparently. No. Where in 40k, the galaxy is such a big setting. I've often seen people tell me their story, and they they try to affect the galaxy. And oh it's, God! They, they want to have this, like they want to feel. They want They, they want to feel contribute. like they
1: meant something. Yeah. Like they were making a difference. Yeah, and ultimately.
3: Forty K is a setting. It's not supposed to be this ongoing story arc that's yeah. changing. You're not but, reboot. Yeah, but uh, but this is also Forty K's greatest strength. So we're gonna get into the pros now. The galaxy is a big place. If you go and you destroy one world, okay, no big deal. Yeah, absolutely. That shit happens yeah. because yeah. it
1: happens daily. <laughs>
3: yeah, so it really gives you a lot of freedom to do great and big things while still not changing the overall setting. You know.
2: And uh, yeah, I think that's why is a really good idea to talk about um, the scale that you're kind of going to base your RPG in uh, uh, beforehand with your players, and just say like, look, this might be a it might be a campaign where you might not be able to get off world or absolutely, might-
1: I hundred percent agree with you on that one, Matt. I think limiting the scale yep. is one of the best ways to ensure a very well fleshed
2: out campaign. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, as soon yep. as people. Sorry, as soon as people get into this environment where they see the spaceships and that, the closest most people will get to a spaceship in the 40K universe is being a servitor, just implanted <laughs> on there.
3: Oh, Absolutely. That's not that bad.
2: I <laughs> now mean, you get to like see the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: You get to serve someone greater than yourself, you know? <laughs> I mean, great health care, you live for ages. <laughs> well, it's easy when there's a nuclear battery <laughs> powering your body, right?
2: Oh, for sure, yeah. And that's like the most cushy job ever. You might just have to open a door every now and again. Oh, my God. Or just that's all you do. Yeah, just open a door. Fine, I can do this.
1: <laughs> but I, I think that is a really – like. Mark started the thought, but you really finished it. Is that you have to limit and you have to put the scale into perspective? For sure. Yeah, that was. It wasn't a problem with our Tau RPG, but it was something that it, you wrestle with.
3: Yeah, it's like, okay, where do you guys want to go? Well, you have
1: this warp capable crap. Absolutely, and you're you're <laughs> in the galaxy. Where do you want to go? So there are are yeah. sometimes when decisions have to be made that you kind of feel too many decisions yeah right and that's a problem with the scale being so massive yeah um and like all of us were pretty seasoned rpg players so i think in the beginning it's much more important to get a grasp on what it means to interact with other people in a smaller more fleshed out scale as opposed to all right literally tell me
2: what you want to do in an entire galaxy (laughs) yeah and i I think one of the things for all of the kind of negatives that we brought up already, one of the things that the Imperium in Warhammer really does well is restrict people. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. If, if you can't do that across your campaign, you're not doing things right. Get some arbiters in there, get a clamp <laughs> on, you know, a uh, warp storms, just uh, as a GM, you have the right to be as creative with the universe. Yeah. to kind of, you players, um, uh, Mark always used to say to me, "It's like herding, uh, herding wild cats." But to herding cats, <laughs> Herd, herding cats, which is uh, obviously Mark's go-to because he doesn't know any other animals. But he knows goats. It, I know goats. Yes, it, go- goats and cats, and anything <laughs> in between is just some weird mix. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it, it is that kind of thing. You've got to kind of work around around. Okay, someone might want to go here, but you know realistically you've spent your time making this campaign and you want them to enjoy the bits that you have made for them rather than jumping off to the next bit every single time yeah yeah
3: so another thing i personally really like about the 40k setting is even though it's a very well-defined setting it's you can still create anything in it like oh for sure you could come up with some weird animal on this weird backwater planet or this just completely your own thing. Maybe another human empire stuck off somewhere else, you know, like you can really come up with anything you want and fit it in. Um, Like people have joked around that the, Warhammer fantasy world, like the old one, not AOS, was actually just some backwater world in 40K where like all (laughs) these races are just fighting for it. It's like it has no relevance to the whole galaxy as a whole. So, 40K is really nice because you can do that. But on the flip side, it's also so established that for me, when I was doing the Tower RPG, I loved like going through just a random Lexicanum article and finding, oh, I've never heard of that Xenos race. Let's implement that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. It. I mean, it is such a such a rich mind to kind of dig from the uh, whole forty years or whatever we've got now of uh, Warhammer. Yeah, you can just put in anything you like, and realistically, you can justify it. You think about how many separate stories have happened on Terra on that one planet. <laughs> yeah, trillions. You know, when you yeah. when you summarise it like that, it is kind of it, you're. As long as you're not breaking those core restraints, and as um, I, I told my girlfriend that I was writing a story, and I was like, I need to get these people to go here, and she was like, uh, Who's the main guy in Warhammer? And I was like, The Emperor. <laughs> she was like, He shows up, and he just tells them to go there and I was like, <laughs> in a dream or through tarot. <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's there's ways of kind of doing that, and yeah, you. Oh my it, God, I never even thought
1: p- about introducing tarot. <laughs> into like my gaming systems. Oh, it's going
2: to be exciting. But I'm definitely doing that. <laughs> Funnily enough, I actually made a, a tarot deck out of a set of playing cards for one of my D&D campaigns. And I'll tell you, it's one of the best things to screw with your uh, players. Because as soon as they pick up that death card and they don't that, know what it means. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really good. I had, a, I had a little look at fortune telling and stuff. And um, yeah, it makes for a good thing.
3: Yeah, Matt, you're actually like an incredible GM how much effort you put in. Because yeah, like you literally drew like, I don't know, 30 different cards or however many Tarot has. Like hand drew them. So when the players came, they were actually flipping cards over. You were actually playing Tarot.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I wrote down everything. That I kind of, I wrote myself a little guide about the way they were drawing cards, meant different things on the book. And it's kind of like, <laughs> if you if you can use that to refer to the way I was using it, I tried to refer to the issues in the campaign I was having with certain players. If they were, okay. uh, if they were being a bit too dickish with other players or something like that, I would kind of be like, ah, oh, your ways have been too aggressive in the past. Like, <laughs> like Sure. And it, you're telling it, the barbarian that. Yeah. You're, you're getting people. It's just about getting your players to think in different ways because it's so difficult to, Get people to engage with just a story. Where it's easier for people like us because we're all into Warhammer. Most of us have got quite active imaginations. We know what we want our <laughs> armies to look like before we've taken them out of the box. But you know, for, for people who are newer to RP and RPGs, like you really want to help them build up that that setting and make the world as yeah. rich as and you a can. confidence, sure. You you have, sure. to
1: help. Yeah. you have to help them build up the confidence to step in.
3: That should almost be a rule before you go like role playing with people. You should almost have to go out for drinks or something. Like do a line of coke, do a line of coke, for just familiarize sure. yourself with the other people. Yeah, in just the group. a
1: quick nineteen
3: hour
2: acid trip. Yeah, you know? yeah, shoot, shoot shoot some hot H. <laughs> huh. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's how I start off all my RP games anyway. And uh, <laughs> after Mad after four. Okay. After four hours, we start playing. So, <laughs> yeah. now but I'm uh, bringing it back to like little props like that is just stuff to get people engaged. And obviously, now that we're kind of all taking a bit more isolation from each other, especially in the UK, where it is really not a good idea to be, you know, bringing a group of lads around and licking each other. Then is is right, great to role playing. It's a role play, mom. <laughs> um, yeah, so is is really good to and programs like Roll Twenty and I'm sure there's many others out there. Um, they're good for kind of getting your maps up, having tokens moving things around, and that's yeah. what we're that's what we're working on with this um, kind of project is making it look as slick and professional as possible.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, you're putting in like actual work into it. Um, no, it's it's looking great. So yeah, I'm sorry. So, what's some other like uh, awesome elements of role playing in 40k?
2: So, I thought I've uh, I did kind of jot down some notes, and I thought some questions that I would want answered is kind of why is 40k a good setting for RPG, and if I could just ask you two first, because I know Mark, I've heard your kind of ideas. But <laughs> Why, why do you think it is a good set for an RPG? You've kind of gone over it.
3: Yeah, like I said, like I like that it's an established universe, but at the same time, I can contribute my own story to it. I like taking throwaway lines and building off of it or just adding to it or tweaking it slightly, you know, and making it my own. So that's what I really enjoy. Because then it's not just like... It, in my mind, it holds more validity than if you just make up completely your own... Uh, fantasy world, you know? It still yeah. feels more weighty. So that would be mine. What about you, Eric? Do you enjoy one particular aspect of role-playing in 40k? Yeah,
1: I think it's kind of double-fold. Uh, there's one, like, uh, the, the grim, dark, religious, pious, uh, dogmatic, traditional, ritualistic, like, mm-hmm. that aspect of 40k really speaks to me. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I got stuck in Black Templar, and now I'm like, I love Gray Knights, right? But yeah, so I love that. But if ever there's a time where I'm not feeling that, I can create a planet that literally has no dogma, no rituals, <laughs> no tradition. Yeah, and that's what's great about 40k. I think is there is an established like. Here's what the majority of all. Beings feel like this is like the the grimness that is life that pervades everything in 40k. But also you have the freedom of creating a world where it's literally just the most beautiful fruit you've (laughs) ever seen, like the most liquid clear. Waters flowing through the stream, and like, and, and that's I think what I really like about 40k. But is, there's only guys named Greg on that planet, so it's no, like, there's, oh, like, yeah, twist <laughs> that's twist. a good thing, but yeah, but I, I think that's what I really like about uh, 40k is that anytime where you're feeling like, oh, it's a little too grim, or it's a little <laughs> too dark, or you know, we've been playing this theme for five episodes in a row now, let's get something different, and yeah, you're, you're very much allowed. To build something that goes completely against the established setting of 40K. Yeah. As long as you keep it localized and as long as you don't say, this is what now the Imperium does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Or, let, and let's examine like Lord of the Rings, role playing in Lord of the Rings. There is a certain theme and setting to Lord of the Rings. You, you cannot bring in a laser sword. <laughs> to Lord of the Rings, no, sure. You just like to do that. People would just be like, "No." I'm
3: like, see, I have my brain. I'm like, come on, there has to be one laser
1: sword, in Lord of the Rings. But you're right, right? Like, there's two. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. have a blaster in yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? And, and I think that's one of the interesting things about 40k is like. You can do a setting. You could say Lord of the Rings is in 40k. Yeah, and no one would bat an
2: eye. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Dragons and whatever. Yeah, you can throw. in and, and there's the-
1: magic, right? And, yeah. and there's yeah. these beings yeah. of power that rule over like this entire land. Like, how is that different from where Mortarion grew up?
3: Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, sure. Exactly. Uh, exactly.
1: So yeah. That's I think what I like about 40k is just the fact that. Anything goes in this setting, yeah. but also the setting that's been established is extremely well done. Yeah,
2: and I th- I think that's another good thing about like potentially leading people in to kind of these 40k, these 40k RPGs is very done in to kind of go go up to someone and be like, hey, do you want to listen to uh, 70 episodes of Lorehammer so you understand? <laughs> This, uh, this thing that I like to talk about, I want to tell you a game about it now, but you have to understand 2,000 other things <laughs> whilst I tell you this first sentence.
1: A- absolutely. Like, you can introduce people into a minimal understanding of 40K, or you can really, like, like, dropping the word the Inquisition to a newcomer means nothing. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't hold it- any
1: weight. Absolutely, but dropping it like if Mark and I are playing, and you're like an Inquisitor shows up, you recognize the eye like it's branded on their forehead. He and I are like, "Well, shit, we're gonna die now, (laughs) right?" Like,
2: there's a level. Why does every campaign
3: end like this?
2: And that's the thing. You could, uh, if someone was, if all of your group of friends were, say, Star Wars guys, you could always just base the start of your campaign. In a kind of Star Wars setting and you've got this more Star Star Wars setting but eventually you start to bring forward these things maybe they transfer out their kind of phase blasters for bolt guns and they sure. find different things like that you know it's is about kind of making it relatable easing people in and just getting them interested enough that they're like what that's a sword but it's got a chainsaw in it I'm gonna <laughs> have a look at this you, you know and really That's the way we all kind of got hooked is those little bits that interested us and made us want to learn about things.
1: Absolutely.
3: So if you had one answer, Matt, why do you think 40K is a good setting for role-playing?
2: See, I I think 40K is a great setting because, well, me and Mark were having a conversation the other day. I was telling him about um, a barmaid who I had made and (laughs) she had a voice a little bit like this. (laughs) She was a (laughs) smoker. Yeah, she was totally a smoker. Anything you want, sweetheart. <laughs> that kind of thing. And um Mark said to me, he was um he said, Ah oh, yeah, that's the shame about doing this Wrath and Glory campaign. You you won't really get to do all these kind of silly voices. And I said, The Imperium's so massive and we only see them see it portrayed usually through this very grim, dark, black and white shutter, but there are still people living their lives out there. <laughs> There are still the craziest people who were doing weird and wild things, even weirder than most of your Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I I quickly
3: uh, denounced what I said as soon as you're like, oh, yeah, just imagine going into like the underbelly of like some, you know, mile long spaceship with all the riffraff. It's like,
2: oh, oh, yeah, Twitch. twist club playing pound music and (laughs) you know there's so many crazy places in the imperium where you've got drug dealers trading skooma on the streets and it's is wild man yeah and it's picking up things like that that you can really um you you can make things fun fun again because you don't want to have someone playing a 40-hour campaign where it is just bitter and they don't they don't feel like heroes. They feel like survivors in a horrible <laughs> world. You, I can't believe you've you done this. You still want to give them that edge of like, maybe I'll survive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I I think that's what really makes it interesting.
3: How, how do you go about developing and maintaining a decent storyline then in
2: 40k? Well, I mean, there's so many... Different places. I think settings very important. And I think like we were talking earlier about scale, I think you've really gotta be versatile to the experience of the players that you have and how experienced you are as a GM. And again, it comes back to working together as a team to tell a good story. And you could you could effectively set your campaign in a universe, a galaxy, a planet, a town. I was talking to Mark about how I wanted to set up one where I would just make a hundred, like twenty Imperial Guard pre-made sheets, and you would be, you would be in a bunker, and there was an oncoming Nid invasion, and as soon as you died, (laughs) well, it it was like a one shot, but you would upgrade every time, so you were eventually getting better and better characters, and it would upgrade the story, but it was one of those one shots, whereas all campaign. Um, all combat, sorry, kind of running people through things, which was the way my, my guys like to kind of play. But again, that comes up to whether you want to do a one shot for your campaign, whether you want to expand it over multiple episodes, because there's nothing saying that when you start a campaign, it has to be limitless or it has to have That's true. A, decided, In fact, I think- a decided ending.
3: Yeah, I think most campaigns should actually have an ending in mind. Something that the GM knows when this happens, that's that.
2: Um, yeah, because like, it, there's, just it, there's like, only so much you can do.
3: Yeah, it, it's just like those TV shows that should have ended three seasons ago, but are still dragging on. It's like, no, no, this show would have been awesome if they just fucking ended it season two. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, you Definitely got to have a main goal in mind for sure of where and what you're trying to accomplish.
2: I think that's what was good about um, your guys' RPG, your uh, Tau RPG, is that you got to the end of the story, and it wasn't like, everyone's now got a battle suit, and we're going to go off and do our next thing. And it's like, <laughs> you're so overpowered now, you have to be facing ridiculous things. And it's just, it cheapens the story, I feel, if if it doesn't have that, like, that nice clipped-off ending. Yeah. Or... Unless, unless you're willing to expand it further, but then you have to be able to keep up with the story. You don't want to yeah. let it get away from you.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have to keep coming up with new interesting story hooks that actually keep people engaged. So, what what are your personal favorite? Do you like one shots or like
2: what do you kind of uh, like pers- to do the most? personally i love building a world and having an immersive world and it I, i'll design a place where i know my characters might not even go because at the end <laughs> of the day is just is for me i enjoy thinking about how these places might work what what resources do they use to get by how are the houses powered? power that is is these basic things that sometimes we forget about in Build in a world that, yeah, we'll put the tavern in there for the uh, adventurers to meet in because everybody then, literally goes to the tavern. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a tavern. That's the only place that anyone ever meets or gets any information. <laughs> and then they walk wo- they walk on one road which has nothing either side of it to the <laughs> quest to the quest point where there's a monster in like a dungeon, and it it doesn't. Makes sense to me i don't understand that that doesn't engage me i i like to think about especially in the world of 40k where you have such interesting things going on all around you you can talk about plasma generators humming in the background Mm -hmm. if you're in a ship you can talk about the bowels of the ship and you can really build this immersive kind of background and get your characters to contribute when they're building their backstory ask them where do you think you came from? How did this shape your character? Do you, how can I include something in my world? Are you a guardsman? Were you born on a void ship? Did yeah. you get here by chance? You know, really and make them think about their character as a person instead of this is my frame so I can roll dice to kill monsters.
3: <laughs> yeah, just so you can get better gear to kill better monsters
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's not um at the end of the day this this is what makes it better than a video game is that you can you can go about things in such a different way and i think it cheapens any rpg to just be like huh, i'm just gonna throw some dice and into the max damage <laughs> for sure yeah but um yeah i i think developing and maintaining a decent story is some people, they like to have a clear, defined end goal in mind. Um, but then they get worried. You People throw around terms like railroad in a lot. Um, where <laughs> Shoehorn, it, like, hand of God. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're pushing me to play the game that I said I would play with you. <laughs> so sometimes it's like that. And sometimes it is like, no, you're not letting me play my character. And it, it has to be very clear between you and the GM. But if you don't like something like that, step aside afterwards, tell them about it. At Parker, our purpose is
0: simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: And especially in 40K, you, railroading has got a little bit more liberty because it is such a grim, dark world.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's like a level of, I am just a small guy that everyone kind of accepts even in 40K because there's always someone more powerful and with more authority
2: than you. Yeah exactly and as a gm you could you can play to that as much as you need to without necessary a lot of people feel bad about being hard on their players personally it gives me the most satisfaction i can find in life at the moment but for other people um, yeah they tend to feel like uh, they're cheapening the story by not letting their players do exactly what they want you're sometimes you're cheapening the story by caving For someone who wants to do something that's detrimental to your story. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 can't just give everyone what they want because they don't understand the larger goal in mind that they might be wasting a lot of time with something potentially really boring, where the boring thing that they thought they would be doing is a really interesting, lively thing that you've set up.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like the GM has put time into a story, so it's gonna be better than if you just make him make shit up on the spot without any prep
2: and i don't know where the fun in that comes from for a player. sometimes if you're if your gm's not actively prepping you for stuff yes make him go out of his way to kind of make stuff up for you but if he's if he looks like he's established and he kind of wants to get on with things there's yeah. no reason to get in the way
3: yeah, exactly. And it comes back to that like agreement that everyone is playing this together. You've all come here and you've decided to play this together.
2: Yeah. And I, I think moving on from that, you can you could you can play that as you want, but really it's just gonna lead to to the GM being less free with you. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're going to if he gives an inch and you take a mile then it will clamp down on his narrative just because it if things are getting too difficult for him or her then they'll just they'll have to clamp down on it is
3: yeah is one yeah. of those things. <laughs> so there are some problems with, or there yeah there's some problems with players as well
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i did i did include this because especially in 40k a lot of people can it can suffer from some of the things i've put down uh 40k is one of those things where and rps in general actually you can get an inexperienced player who's not necessarily a problem player depending on how well and willing they are to integrate themselves with the other players is is very daunting getting into an RPG I think someone who's not come from uh, personally I didn't do any uh, theater in school or (laughs) anything dramatical like that you can tell by my voice I'm not particularly au fait with the arts But yeah, it come, coming into a room where everyone kind of has to reach into a part of themselves that you don't use in a natural day-to-day yeah. kind of situation, it can be quite daunting. And it, it you have to try and get more experienced players to just nudge those people into the right direction. yeah, and
3: if, And even just having the GM as well, like if it's a new player, like actively
2: doing things with the new player to keep them involved. Yeah, for sure. And especially in 40K. You might have someone who's not experienced with 40K. It's so easy to break this down into relatable chunks if you don't get away from yourself too heavily. If you're describing <laughs> an Arb- Arbites, do not go into the rules, the strictures, the eating habits of the Arb- Arbites. <laughs> Just... Just tell him for the moment, it looks like a big tough dude and you think he might be with the police. Get him to sure. roll an investigation and then give them the information they want. Is sure, You yeah. need to be bite-sized with this kind of thing.
3: Yeah, knowing where to draw the line of important information and just flaunting your 50 hours of listening to Lorehammer knowledge.
2: God, yeah. You might as well just pause the whole game, play him the episode that <laughs> you you want him to listen to. I'll, I'll be right back.
1: Yeah, you know, I never actually considered like the uh, because I don't have like a lot of experience GMing, but I've never considered about being intentional with what information I give about a specific subject Hmm. that is enough of a hook to get people who are interested to ask more questions. I've never considered like what what's enough information I can give about this person to have people wanting more, and that's a very interesting um, goal. To have, and yeah. I, I hmm, the the intentionality is is intriguing
2: to me. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think is. Sorry, Mark. I was I was no, only no, going to say ahead. I think I'm. I'm just going to interrupt you. This is my podcast now. <laughs> You're not the
3: first person um, to try to take this away from me. <laughs> for sure.
2: Um, yeah, I was only going to uh, yeah just agree agreeing with Eric. I th- I feel like that's one of the most crucial things is utilizing all of the skills. Yeah. Yep that this setting gives you because people like to play in such different ways. And if you've got say a space Marine on a team with an Imperial Guardsman or a Psyker, the guy is not going to want to go smashing everything. He might want to work out a different thing and you should be, you should be encouraging creative creativity and interesting ways of getting around situations just because it's 40 K. It doesn't mean that it has to be bang, bang, slash, slash.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing I always do when I GM is uh, I always have a list of the uh, skills that the players have in front of me. I have that, and I that's pretty much all, <laughs> you know. Like because sometimes, yeah, like you people will put a whole bunch of points into handle pet, and the GM might not even be aware of it. And sorry, Peter, yeah. I did that to you
2: once. <laughs>
3: you know? God,
2: God damn! <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's exactly the thing and the problem is when it is just a, a combat thing everyone's just going to try and be the best at combat because if you're not then you're not useful in the campaign and it, it limits you because then you have four or five people who are all playing exactly the same character and yeah that, that, there's just no um, there's no difference to it so I feel like that's a really good way of kind of making people use their skill checks and then supplying them with some knowledge it makes them feel like they've earned it and you're not over heaping this this 30-year hobby that we've got onto people
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's definitely easy for me and eric especially to kind of fall into like we know so much about the lore where it's like we want to toss in like like you said with the Arbites, it's like yeah you want to toss in Arbites. Like but really, yeah, that means nothing. It means a lot to me and you. Absolutely. Yeah. We get the tingles,
1: but that and that's what I think is very interesting about you being intentional about little bits of information. Like you say that it's enough for Mark and I to be like, Oh man, like is this an (laughs) arbeites? Whereas literally anyone else might just be like, Okay, he's a police officer,
2: stay away. Yeah. But then even someone who doesn't know that much, they dig for the knowledge. And that's where it comes out of metagaming and playing your character. If your character's digging for the knowledge, you as a player then hold on to that with greater value. Because you've earned it throughout the campaign. Just like you're earning all of your gear and your experience. you're, You're finding different tools to unlock different parts of the campaign. I think that's what's really nice about doing RP and is is completely different from any video game where you have a limited set of buttons mm, yeah. in this. It's completely limitless. Yeah.
1: So Mark and I would definitely neither of us are inexperienced we would definitely fall in the over experienced <laughs> category. Yep. Not uh, necessarily when it comes to rules or anything but when it comes to role playing as like a skill that's definitely something that he and I are, are very familiar with. And I know for myself, I can have it ten- been
3: role-playing for the last 30 years. Yeah.
1: My whole life is yeah. a <laughs> sham. <laughs> but I, I know there's a temptation to metagame. Yeah. There's a temptation of pulling knowledge that Eric knows that might be very different from the character Eric's playing. Yeah. And, and I think that is a big problem with over experienced people, or even just who know the setting or know the rule book way better than someone who might not, and yeah, you know. it, how how do you de- yeah, how I do you deal that, with that?
2: Well, I, I think it can lead to real issues because the problem is over over experience. It can be a blessing and a curse. I mean, it's always great to have someone there where if you get something wrong, they can back you up, or if there's something that you're hazy about, you've got someone else to check with. But when it comes to stopping the game to cool up every rule, um, the the people who are so obsessed by by the letter, um, when when you're oh, hold a hold on, just at the repeat that of, one sentence. I'm sorry uh, the the kind of uh, the GMs <laughs> who are so, who are so by the letter um, that they're stopping the game just to cool up every rule. Yeah, or
3: in 40k calling out every little bit of lore like, oh, actually, that's
2: not how bolt yeah. guns
1: work. Arbides would never do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. I mean, at the end of the day, the GM, he's trying to get something done, and he might be leaving things out that you don't know about specifically to make things interesting. Yeah. That you, If you end up doing this, you sometimes someone forgets a rule. I The other day, I forgot a rule and it was literally five minutes before we were meant to end the game and someone <laughs> wanted to check the book on. I, I just said to him, look, I'm not going to – we can discuss this afterwards because it is a discussion between you and your players, but when it comes to the fact that you've got five minutes left or it's going to take 30 minutes to thumb through an obscure rule, just <laughs> really – everyone else is waiting on you, yeah. and it doesn't help. Yeah, and so- that kind of, it comes down to, I think, the GM
3: ultimately is he kind of has to have the cojones to just kind of tell people, you know what?
1: Like, this is what we're doing. Um, and Yeah, th- then be firm. Are, yeah, you got to be firm. like, And then <laughs> players need to have a respect for the, <laughs> yeah. the game master. Understanding, like, okay, even if it's not something I, I appreciated in the moment, like, we can talk about it later. But yeah, yeah th- there's a matter of respect for the GM as well for everyone else playing.
3: Yeah. But at the same time, it's it it. nice to question the GM sometimes. Like, it, Sometimes the GM is wrong. But sometimes sometimes you bullshit know, happens. Yeah, but you got to definitely know when that is and when you're just like, like you said, Matt, there's five minutes yeah. left in the game. What rule you're looking up doesn't matter. Let's just move past it.
2: And that's the thing. I think as a GM, you have to be willing to, if you have messed something up, hold your hands to it and say, look, I can go back in time and change the whole story, but I'm willing to give you something back. Because at the end of the day, you're not trying to screw each other over. You're trying to, even if you say like, look, have a bit more experience for it because it should have been easier for you or, you know, something along those lines. Because at the end of the day, you all want to be happy with the game that you're playing. Yeah. And when it comes to over-experienced player, they should understand that the most, that you can get bogged down in rules. Um, metagaming was another thing that I wanted to talk about where it's like you guys said, you've got such a vast knowledge of the universe you might see something that in character you wouldn't know yeah. but it, you, it's very difficult to separate yourself and say, I know that's a bad place to go but I'm not going to go in it because of this, this and this yeah, that yeah. again comes down, to the, it comes down to the GM saying, look you can talk about this as much as you want but that's an out of character thing that you're saying. It doesn't affect what happens yeah. in the game. And if people try and pull pull you around, then uh, yeah, you just uh, you've got to find a way of dealing with that. And because it's getting in the way of other people's enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: You've yeah. got you've got one more on here for a problem with overexperienced uh, players.
2: Yeah, I think the final one is is building your character to be the uh, Mary Sue, Gary Stu kind of PC. I'm the best at everything that I do. I will solve every problem that comes at me, <laughs> be it physical, mental, constitution based. Uh, these kind of players. Your this campaign is is. Um, is you working with other people and your GM, unless he's a particularly bad GM, will not be focusing on your character for the whole campaign. Yeah, you may get you may get bits in the spotlight, but you can't build yourself to be the guy who solves every problem because otherwise, it again it turns your other players into supporting cast, and yeah, everyone should be a hero. Well, yeah.
1: well, that's odd because I'm pretty sure Peter's built a couple games that have revolved around me only. Well, you know, huh? Huh? I don't know what you're playing, that, man,
3: but...
2: <laughs> I'm I'm all for giving a character story and helping them build their backstory. But when, when you're the other guy sat around the table and it's like the fifth four-hour game and you're like, oh, so... Yeah. He's going... D- He's going down another tunnel.
1: <laughs> we definitely shared a talked about that with Peter about how it's great to have your moment in the spotlight, but you need to be respectful and also let other people have their moment in the spotlight. Yeah,
2: sure. yeah, exactly. Otherwise, they don't feel like they have influence because yeah. they're not influencing their yeah. story; they're influencing your story. Which and and is, I, uh, we're also
1: kind of talking about the last person you have written down here, which is like that guy. It's very similar. It's just it's an attitude of having to be the center of everything that you wrote down and, and constantly tries to like push their idea of what this story should be like and yeah. their idea of how they want the flow to go and that's just not a pleasant experience for anyone. Yeah. And no, even for actually. T- you- sorry, sorry, Matt. <laughs> this it's is always why- me.
3: Uh, this is why, like, so people are gonna listen to these couple episodes and be like, "Oh, you've had people on before." I'm like, "Yeah," but even with Matt, like a really good friend who I talk to every day, yeah, we still interrupt each other. Yeah, like you. This, oh, is, this sure. is not the ideal so- recording scenario.
2: <laughs> I'm just so excited to be here. It's It's, <laughs> two, it's half past two in the morning. Oh, I've God. never been so awake. <laughs>
3: oh, sorry. So what were you saying, Matt? My bad.
2: Sorry, I was gonna say yeah. Is when it comes down to it. The players just won't enjoy playing with you anymore because that's it, being aggressive and rude and not working well with the party, shooting down everyone else's ideas. The story is not about you, you're not the lead, yeah. The lead in, in the film, yeah, absolutely. So, so,
3: how would you go about dealing with that guy then?
2: <laughs> to be honest at the end of the day, you <laughs> need to take them aside yeah. after the session and really air it out because the problem is anything said in session can always be put off with, oh, "I was just being in character. Sure. And Absolutely.
1: Sure. I think that's very well, good is that it's it's an outside gaming problem. It is not an inside but, gaming problem.
2: And even even with the uh, games that we're hoping to run for Lorehammer, if there are issues, there will be outside of because at the end of the day, someone's time should not be bought down halfway through a game with an argument that you shouldn't be having. Is And you don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable with the way that they're acting. But at the end of the day, if it's slowing things down or it's making other people enjoy the game less, it has to be dealt with. Yeah, I think if if it's done outside and it doesn't continue, they've learned their lesson, they've become a better game player, but I feel if it carries on, you have to know when some people don't work with your campaign and it's a tough, it's a tough decision to make, but sometimes you've just got to cut ties with a certain player or...
1: Yeah. And yeah, you never come to that decision lightly either. You never just cut them out after one try. You always yeah. chat with them and ask them, "Hey, like if, this is what it seems like you're struggling with. Let's work through it. What's something we can introduce? Like even a system where I can, you know, help you realize, "Hey, you're you're being that guy again. <laughs> like let's tone it down." And
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's there's no problem with um with telling someone to just maybe back down a bit in the game. But you don't. I tell wanna... Mark that all the time. Yeah, and
3: then you blame it on other people. Mark, I really think Peter feels like you're not
2: doing this. Right. Absolutely, I
3: like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. What you I don't me.
2: have the problem here, but every other person does. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: De- deflecting is the best way to do anything. That's the way I deal with. It. That's the way that I deal with all of my problems, and my missus loves it. Um, but yeah, it, it's all about to be a good player. I'm going to go over a couple of things that I think make a good player, and yeah. then you guys can chip in if you'd like. But I think there's making an active commitment to the story, saying that I'm going to attend this game, I'm going to be present. I'm, I might do a little bit of background information on the old uh, on the old 40k universe. I might learn a little bit about where my characters come from. If I'm playing a guardsman, maybe I'll have a look at some some different regiments. And it's not about going full bore and dedicating your life to it, but it's trying to think a little bit about, okay, who is this character to me? How can I engage with the rest of my players? And how can I make this story interesting for everyone else? Yeah. Um, I think encor- encouraging story growth and going the extra mile... If if you send backstory pieces to your GM, if you tell him about what your character wants to achieve in the future, if you tell him about people who you trust and you don't trust, because at the, at the end of the day, the GM should be there to know your character intimately so he can help or he or she can help progress your story in a decent way for you and make it interesting for you. Yeah. So I think that's that's very important, and GMs appreciate it. The, oh, yeah. the work that you the work that you put in means less work for yeah. the GM.
3: Yeah, exactly. You give the GM like a, a page of backstory, and he's just like, "Oh, I really like that one line. I'm bringing that back into the story."
2: Yeah, and it it is super easy to negotiate with your GM about what you want. Obviously, if you want to have your own planet then you might have difficulty, but there might be a way you can say, I had my own planet. It was taken away from me (laughs) and keep, and, and keep the basis of your character by working with the GM and just being flexible with each other.
3: Yeah. So this was one thing we talked on the, with Peter was, which I never heard is like, he wants to, next time he runs one, he wants to make the world or the setting with everybody. So everyone's on the same page about like, these are kind of what's possible. This is kind of what's happening. Uh, just so people don't come in with like this outlandish backstory that really doesn't fit the setting. Why, like, are
1: you, why are you looking at me, Mark? You're the only person in the room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> For sure. You you sometimes get that problem where it's like um, you, as a GM, you'll think about a story and you'll put these things in that seem really good and interesting. Maybe uh, maybe is an, a water adventure and you're thinking about doing all these things and stuff. And then everyone who shows up has, you know, disadvantage against and they're gonna, they're all, I don't know, flaming people from the planet fire, but (laughs) flame (laughs) Falcons. Yeah. You know, as a general, the most obvious thing that I could think of, but um, yeah, that kind of thing, it won't work. And, Suddenly everyone's having to make new characters again or they're automatically disadvantaged from the very start. So definitely as well, hold on.
1: Hey Matt.
3: Hey. You here? (laughs) (laughs) Your
2: microphone. I'm I'm here.
1: Yeah, you you just had a weird buzz. Maybe it's from one of your wires or something. Sorry, but that's Okay. okay. We'll we'll remove it in post. Don't worry about it. Mark Mark had a question though. Um so definitely
3: you uh, when you're writing your character, definitely share as much information with your GM. Like that does make yeah. a really good player.
2: I I think share it with your GM and I think don't share it with the other players until you want to. Oh yeah.
3: Like so me and Eric, we've made so many characters are like, oh man, I just want to tell you my character. It's like, wait for the game. It's like, I know, but it's so hard.
2: Exactly. I- the, I, i'm with players now and they're like oh yeah so what are you gonna make so they've got a balanced campaign but it loses that kind of thing of oh who's this guy what does he look like oh my god he's that and sometimes yeah. that's really fun oh yeah i love learning that the, like the
1: payoff in game about something that had been established before the game begins yeah is climaxing (laughs) like I'm not even kidding you like the moment where everything lines up perfectly and you find out something that had been written a long time ago like there is there are very few things better than that moment when
2: you're role-playing oh it's so good and if a GM can bring that backstory back in and use that it it makes it seem like your character is part of this grand epic quest if you were, I try and visualize all of my campaigns as a film and like, how does this story make me feel? You see, it's fine. These guys are wandering around. They're probably good at what they do. They're good at killing things, but how did they get to that point? Sure. And how does that affect where they want to go? And I, th- I feel that makes a good story because it gives you a beginning, a middle and an end.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, so that's some tips for players. Make having an active commitment to the story, encouraging story growth, going the extra mile, and managing and maintaining your character um, through you yeah. know, input with the
2: GM and stuff. So yeah, for sure. And we- keeping, keeping track of your character sheets and stuff like that. All of that oh, yeah. stuff really helps.
3: I, I'm so- really bad for that. Um, I should probably get bet on that aspect.
2: Uh, uh, it, that's one of those things where a lot of people forget about it but yeah. the way that I like to think about it is if uh, a GM, if a GM's told you oh you've picked up this it might seem like nothing to you at the time you forget to put on your character sheet <laughs> but no, no, that no. could have been that could have been a really good story hook moment that he was hoping to bring back <laughs> so you know?
1: you're talking about something and Mark when he's saying like that's something I need to get better with <laughs> You're actually discussing two very different <laughs> things. Like, I do think that yours is important, but what Mar- what's going through Mark's brain as he's saying I should get better with it is he literally does not have a character sheet. I played an
3: entire <laughs> campaign without a character
1: sheet. He just rolls dice, looks on his phone, and he's like, does a 23 hit? And the GM goes... Well, let me. Ju- yep, it does. And Mark's like,
2: did it again. <laughs> I, I mean, are you sure he's even playing the RPG? He might just be playing no, Yahtzee I'm, on I'm his phone. Role
1: playing no, man. exactly. He, there's nothing on his phone related to the
2: RPG <laughs> we're playing. He's just looking at yeah, yeah, to the it's, Warhammer. It's... <laughs> Fantastic! It's just cat pictures. Exactly. He like rolls two sixes. He's like twelve. Awesome. <laughs> do you have a bonus? Um, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <do> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no,
1: what? I, there what? is an aspect. Sometimes it, you depending on who you are, you might want to be in complete control of every aspect of your character, and then maybe you're a little less experienced, you might ask the GM, hey, what's an idea for this, uh, I I leveled up, so what's an idea for a new feat for me to take, or how do you suggest I I interact with this new skill that I have, and so I I think, like, being very open with your GM is very good, and, like, there's nothing wrong with asking
2: questions as well. Yeah, but as a, as a GM, don't abuse that trust <laughs> as well. It, yeah, it, 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 When someone's building their character and stuff, give them the right information. When they're in game and you want to screw them over, screw them over. But on the other side of the table, when you guys are building stuff, try and be as open and as honest. Because if they don't trust you, then you, you won't have a good game because you, you begin playing against each other then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
3: But yeah, your your point was more, um, like if if the GM gave you this item, make sure you write that
1: down and keep track of it. Uh, Mon Proz is laser sword, exactly. Like right, <laughs>
3: yeah. But like, for sure, yeah. If the GM gave the, you like the, this m- letter and you never open it, you missed out on something.
2: Well, oh, the monofilament wire though, I wanted to see cut everyone in half. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was never touched. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it, it is stuff like that where you yeah. think, right? These could lead to some really interesting moments. You guys could have used that to potentially cut your way into something, or do something. <laughs> just the bulkhead. You just <laughs> yeah, for sure. just dangle it down like a piece of fishing line, like you're trying to make the cat jump for a bit of string. Oh, but so
3: those are some things. Being a better player is now for being a better
2: GM. What do you think's key? So I like. I've, um, I've put here imagination, preparation, actualization. Oh, so basically, three letters. The the three I- letters. IPA. The, I- the IPA, because I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> but I am, so. For sure. It's all, it's all I can think about. <laughs> um, no, but it's basically think about what you want to achieve in your mind, be it this kind of one shot that you want to do. If you want to do a kind of series of adventures with bosses, getting more power and leading up the chain, do that. If you want to do an infinite world where the world is changing around you, you can do that as well. But you need to be able to prepare that stuff before you put it onto the board.
3: Yeah, thankfully for our group, it's super easy to prepare because literally it's all just like, hmm, what random household item will I put in front of them that will take the entire gaming
1: session? to For, do for sure. Me?
3: Here's a shovel.
1: Yeah, yeah. What are you guys <laughs> going to do with the shovel? Oh,
3: man. <laughs> oh, man, here we go. But no, like, honestly, preparation is, so super important. Like, especially like you said, if you're doing this big world, you actually have to have
2: that big world laid out. You need to know. And that's the thing. Even, even for a smaller world like if I was doing this bunker I would have I would have ideas about how people move through throughout where positions of attack are coming from of uh, things that they could potentially use is it's kind of thinking how are these guys gonna deal with whatever I throw at them yeah and how can I give them different things to make it more interesting yeah because um, I think if you get at least enough preparation that you have an idea of, okay, they may potentially come across this. They may potentially come across that. You've got a good kind of foundation to lead people into this actualization of actually playing the game. Yeah. Um, Have an idea of your mind instead of, uh, I walk into a building. What do I see? Uh, it's like a room and it's kind of dark. You can, you can say, no, this is, this is the loading bay. This is where supplies come in. They take supplies down to the regiment. The regiment is on the front lines of the bunkers here and here. Even if you don't have maps, have that idea in your head of how you're moving through. Because although you can see it in your mind's eye, the players can't. Sure. They only yes. they only get the information that you give them, be it maps or an accurate kind of an accurate depiction. That's all they've got. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I say when you're building a campaign, build the skeleton of your story and then flesh it out throughout your sessions. Yeah. Have an idea of what's there and then let your players add things around. If they speculate something, if they start putting things together that might not necessarily be there, maybe you change your campaign and incorporate that so they feel more involved Ooh, and is yeah. really is is about getting them to kind of be like maybe I'm solving a mystery instead of I'm just fighting my way through until I get lucky and the GM tells me I find something. Yeah, for sure. and I think the the last one I really want to talk about is just keeping on track. <laughs> keeping on track can be really difficult for some GMs. Your players know as much about the world as they. As you tell them, and I like to call this one the illusion of choice. <laughs> um, so, if you imagine you're on a straight road, and then the road forks off into a left path and a right path, your players could spend ages arguing over why it is. Mm. Whereas, if they carried on, if they carried on a little bit, they would find that the paths just join together. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But you can and as a GM. I, I was going to say, as a GM, if you've got like a particular marker that has to be in this spot, move that spot to the place where they're going, and yeah. then lead them back. And they'll think that they've just come across something <laughs> just by accident. But you're in control of the world. Lead them to where you need them to go. Make them, them feel like, like they're making choices. No, nope. well, you're they're making choices. But at the end of the day, they're still progressing through Instead of getting into this backlog of treading water, not progressing.
1: Yeah, I, I you, think uh, that's get them, get them one to move on. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice is at, for a GM is that if, they, if you had this item in front of a shop and they decided never to go in front of that shop, you don't feel so discouraged that they're not doing it. You literally just say, oh, you turned a corner. And you found this thing. Yeah. Like I think a lot of times people or GMs would just be like, oh no, they didn't do the one thing I wanted without realizing that the world can be shaped to however they want it. And they're the ones introducing yeah. new aspects to the world. And and I think that's a very good piece of information is that you can you can make whatever you want. Uh, appear haphazardly, and to the players, it will seem random.
3: Yeah, yeah. Throw in a couple stutters, like, "Oh, um, mm, uh, it's the object of uh, infinity." Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how they think you made that up on the spot? Yeah. And
2: yeah. Exactly. So, some GMs will try and play it off like they're right in the Da Vinci Code, and <laughs> they leave in. These these subtle hints that they think make him a genius. Like, oh, you didn't know in the skull's eye there was a picture of the bird, and you were looking for Mister <laughs> Robin Swallows. It, it makes no, it makes no goddamn sense. At the end of the day, Robin these people, you, it, it's not your goddamn film that you're making. No matter how clever you think you are, you're in a world where people are having to imagine this thing. They're not seeing the picture-clear view that you've got. Sure. And, yeah, don't, don't try and overcomplicate things. Don't make your PCs have to work so goddamn hard to get information. They're, they're trying to progress yeah. you have to allow them to no
1: that's that's amazing advice man like, yeah that's very good I've learned a lot just on this episode and I, well I'm also going to be uh talking with you more Matt because I, I never truly knew how experienced you were as a GM
2: he's a worldly man like I, I'm a i I, am aii actually only started RP in a couple of years back and I started that well you're a GM. lot better than I am that's for certain <laughs> But the reason is I, I listen to a lot of different actual pe- play podcasts there are some great ones out there and really through listening to other people's style of doing things I think is is the very best way to pick up techniques sure
1: yeah I uh, I think what I'm gonna do is uh, get you in a room alone <laughs> in discord
2: <laughs> and, uh-huh. and pick
1: your brain about some things because I'm I'm in the process of Creating uh, a series for for these guys, these losers. Ah. Oh. But uh, yeah, like you're already, I have like five different things in my notes that I <laughs> want to talk about.
2: No, so. oh, I'd love to discuss it. Hopefully, after this um, this beginners uh, campaign that we're launching, tonight, there might be opportunity to potentially do some self-written adventures that I'd love to get out of there. I've uh, yeah. I've got a lot of ideas that I've been shooting by with Mark. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm, that maybe I potentially move out to different formats and stuff.
3: Yeah, no, I'm super excited for the uh possibility of where doing Discord games with people is gonna go. The first one, it's gonna be very much like our first attempt with this system and stuff. But yeah, like once we kind of get the how it's kind of going, how we can utilize Roll 20 the best and stuff, yeah, like I, I want to hear your crazy stories that you're going to share. So I'm quite oh, excited. For sure. And I, I have many of them. Don't worry. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, well, I think that's all we have for this episode. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. It was a real pleasure. And um, obviously, if you guys join up with the Discord and you want to shoot me any messages, now that we've kind of talked about this in a bit more depth, I'm happy to answer some more questions. For sure um his
3: uh tag on discord
2: is is <laughs> uh, at Yeah, which is c o l l i y a uh, y
1: oh no no it's not
2: <laughs> y- <laughs> why i that's think Collier. maybe yay um wait yeah. may, did mark write your Discord write down. name
1: down wrong it's
2: quite possible. no i think I, I'm not even looking at my phone because I'm I'm low on battery, so I might die. Well, either way,
3: if you go on our uh, Discord, we have like you'll be under Lore Guest. You'll have a purple tag, and it'll be like
2: Collier. Just type type in type in that you want to find me, and I'll find you. That's the way <laughs> I deal with things. Yeah,
1: if you're looking for Matt, we will get you in touch with him because what a great resource yeah. for. Uh, if you players.
2: shout my name. Shout my name from the rooftops and I shall run to thee. Say
1: it three times and sprinkle goat's blood in a circle around you and he shall appear. Yeah, for sure.
3: So, and don't forget to uh, email us at IFellInLoveWithMatt'sVoice at gmail.com.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Honestly, this has been a really cool, educating episode for me. I feel like I learned a lot and I feel like you shared some really insightful content
2: yeah for sure no thanks guys for having me again and uh anytime that you're you're willing to have me back on i'd love to be back there yeah well you just got to come back to canada that's man
3: that's literally what i was gonna say yeah like fuck the corona i guess just <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god i need to move I, I need to move out there go into the wilderness because england is screwed man <laughs> <laughs> well uh we are gonna hop off
1: for the day But uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of our Lorehammer Lockdown. We hope you guys are doing okay. You're not uh, going stir-crazy. If this is something that you're interested in, joining us potentially in an RPG setting, uh, check out our Discord. That's going to be the number one place to get in contact and and see what's going on with our community. Um, And other than that, we'll uh, see you next time. Yeah, thanks for joining us. See ya.
2: Bye.